Welcome back, folks. I'm Vince Emanuele, and this is the Organizing 101 series from Politics, Art, Roots, Culture, and Media. This is episode number three, and on this episode, we will be focusing on the difference between self-selected groups versus structure-based organizing. On this episode, we will also be drawing from Jane McAlevey's No Shortcuts, Organizing for Power in the New Gilded Age. McAlevey argues, and I agree, that the reason the labor and the civil rights movements were successful is because they were located in the landscape of what she calls structure-based organizing. The structures were the workplace and black churches. Both movements chose organizing as their primary strategy. Let me stop for just a second. If you're listening to this, make sure to go back and listen to episodes one and two, which are intimately tied to this episode. Definitely listen to at least the last episode, episode number two, Organizing 101, the difference between advocacy, mobilizing, and organizing. So the structures were the workplace and the black churches. This is when progressive movements were actually successful. Both movements chose organizing as their primary strategy. Mobilizing and advocacy also played a role, but the lifeblood of these movements was mass participation by ordinary people whose engagement was inspired by a cohesive community bound by a sense of place. The working community on the shop floor in the labor movement and the faith community in the church in the fight for civil rights. McAlevey is arguing that structure-based organizing still offers the best chance to rebuild a powerful progressive movement in the United States. Unorganized workplaces and houses of faith remain a target-rich environment. Since organizing's primary purpose is to change the power structure away from the 1% to more like the 90%, majorities are always the goal. Majorities are always the goal. Your goal as an organizer to make serious, fundamental, progressive change in the United States is not to find a small group of people who agree with you, but to build large majorities. The more people, the more power. It's just that simple. But not just any people. And the word majority isn't just some throwaway uh, word on a flip chart. It is a specific objective that must be met. In structure-based organizing, in the workplace and in faith-based settings, it is easy to assess whether or not you have won over a majority of the participants in the given structure to a cause or an issue that you're working on. A workplace or a church will have, say, 500 workers or parishioners. And to reach a majority or even a supermajority, the quantifiable nature of the bounded constituency allows you to assess your success in achieving your numbers. Let me say that again, and I'll put it in my own words. So in a workplace or a church, let's say you have 500 people there. There's 500 people in this church. In order to reach a majority or a supermajority, it's helpful to be able to quantify, to actually count that number of people uh, within a bounded number of people. Uh, so like within a, a, in a church, you have 500 parishioners. We know that they have 500 parishioners at that church we are looking to then assess our success in achieving our numbers. We can actually count. You know, we can count in that church. Okay, we got about 220 people are with us. Well, this gets back to how do we know they're with us? Well, this gets back to structure tests, which is something we'll get to uh, a little bit later. She mentioned some of it in this section, but 
those structure tests will allow you to determine. Let's say something simple. I'll give you a simple example. Uh, the church is doing a campaign uh, that wants to fight for community housing. Okay, so this church is involved in a campaign that's trying to get more public housing in the city or wherever they live. Let's say one of the first steps is to try and get the parishioners to uh, sign a petition. Uh, can you sign a petition in this church to support this project? And we find that only 172 people signed the petition. Okay, well, out of that 500, I'm not that good at math, but that I think that means we have about 328 people uh, who are not on our side. So we can actually count that. And the ability to count and measure is important because if we're looking to build supermajorities, we need to know whether or not we have a supermajority, not just guess, hey, we're having a big event, big, massive civil disobedience. This church is putting it on on Saturday. Well, who do you expect to be there? Well, I don't know. I just hope a bunch of people show up. Well, that's not good enough. What we're looking to do is to say, okay, we have 500 people in this church, 172 of them signed this petition. How do we get even more people to sign the petition? Okay, well, that's one step. Now, how do we get the 172 plus the others that we've gotten to sign the petition on top of that? Let's say now we're up to 350. Well, how do we then bring that 350 who are willing to sign a petition to do something a little more risky? Uh, let's say we're going to have them take their picture and post it somewhere in the public, or we're going to have all of them sign an open letter to the newspaper. We're going to have we're going to have them do something. They're going to decide through a power structure analysis, through developing the strategy, what they're going to do. Um, but what they do, we should be able to measure, uh, and that can happen through a structure based organizing test. Uh, that in that kind of a structure, you can actually measure how many people are with you and how many people are not with you, always with the goal of achieving a majority or a supermajority. An organizer intending to build a movement to maximum power who is approaching a structured or a bounded constituency must target and plan to reach each and every person regardless of whether or not each and every person has any pre-existing interest in the union, community organization, or faith-based organization. Let me say that again. You know, the structured or bounded constituency must target and plan to reach each and every member, each and every person in that structure, regardless of whether or not that person has any pre-existing interest in the union or the community organization. This, again, is one of the reasons why a lot of leftists do not take the organizing approach, because it requires you to talk to people who fundamentally disagree with you, and people who are fundamentally hostile uh, to our efforts, uh, and that it's not good enough to just say, oh, well, they're fundamentally hostile. Well, forget about them. No, we actually have to talk with them. We specifically have to talk with them if that person who's hostile to our efforts is an organic leader at that workplace, is an organic leader in their community, is an organic leader in their uh, house of worship. So beyond understanding concretely when a majority has been gained, okay, so we can actually judge this through a structure because we can measure the number of people in that structure, beyond understanding when that majority is reached, an organizer can then gauge the commitment levels of the majority by the nature, frequency, and riskiness of the actions they are willing to take. So it's not just beyond just getting a majority involved. It's not just that. 
what the organizers also looking to do is to gauge the commitment levels of the majority by the nature you know so what is it you know how what how what is what is it that people are doing uh the frequency so how often are they doing it and the riskiness of the actions they're willing to take so what is the nature of the uh, action is it just simply signing a petition how frequently are they willing to engage in actions you know once a week once a month once every day and the riskiness of those actions they're willing to take because if they're willing to take more risky actions in a more more frequently and the nature of those actions become more and more intense then we're gauging that the commitment levels are going up we're moving in the direction we want to move but we're using that to determine you know, we're not just using the majority, but also the nature, frequency, and riskiness of the actions that majority is willing to take. The process of building a majority and testing its commitment level also refers, also allows a more systemic method of assessing which ordinary people have pre-existing leadership within various structures. So by doing this, we're also sort of testing, you know, where do people fit within this? Do they have a leadership role? Do they not? Um, and this is, a method called leadership identification. These informal leaders, who McLevy will call organic leaders, seldomly self-identify as leaders and rarely have official titles. Let me say this again because many activists and organizers are confused about this. Informal, so first of all, we're trying to identify organic leaders and they're oftentimes informal leaders. So these are people who seldomly self-identify as leaders. All too often on the left, we have people who call themselves leaders and they put themselves in front of cameras and the next thing you know, we got thousands of people listening to some person who has no idea what they're talking about or who has no actual constituency or base of supporters or people, working class people who will follow them into the fire. And rarely do informal organic leaders have official titles. You know, so you might have like, oh, this person's the president of the union, but everybody hates him. Whereas you might have somebody in the union that's actually more popular than the president in the union, and people might actually listen to that person more than they listen to the president in the union. But they are identifiable by their natural influence with their peers. So again, for people who didn't listen to the second part, organic leaders are people who have influence over their peers. These are people who their peers will listen to at the workplace in the community, in a church, a mosque, a synagogue, etc. Knowing how to recognize them makes decisions about whom to prioritize for leadership development far more effective. So in other words, if we can properly recognize these organic leaders, if we can do that in a correct way, this helps us make decisions about exactly who we should prioritize for leadership development. Not everyone is a leader. Okay, so this is a very important point that people on the left have to get through their heads, particularly the advocates, the anarchists, the mobilizers, the identitarian left. There's like a whole milieu of people on the left who have not gotten this through their heads because they are all jacked up on anarcho-ideology. Um, the This has been going on for a long time. I'm not going to digress, but... We've seen this with Occupy. We've seen this over and over again. But the anarcho-left believes that everyone is a leader, uh, and that's not true. Uh, that was most uh, notably uh, untrue during the Occupy movement. Of course, that's why the Occupy movement fell apart and so on and so forth. People try to make it into something that it's not. I, you know, Did it have influence over the narrative 
<laughs> getting back to McLevy's critique of society, yes, did it make a material difference in people's lives? Did it bring massive numbers of ordinary people into the mix? No, not at all. So developing their leadership skills. Now, again, these are organic leaders. We're prioritizing them. And if we, you know, if we can correctly identify these organic leaders, then we can prioritize them. That's where we should be spending our time for leadership development. Not everyone's a leader. Get that through your head. Developing their leadership skill set is more fruitful than training random volunteers. So spending our time with organic leaders and developing their skill set is much better than spending our time training random volunteers who show up and are already self-identified. Because these organic leaders start with a base of followers. They are the key to scale. Another concept that anarchists have a really hard time with, and that's scale. Okay? So developing... The leadership skills of organic leaders is more fruitful than training random volunteers who already self-identify as radicals, leftists, progressives. Why? Because these organic leaders start with a base of followers. They actually have people who fucking listen to them. <laughs> okay? That's key. Uh, they are key to scale. Uh, that means actually scaling up and making our efforts large enough to combat the systems of power that we face. Something, again, that the anarcho-left, the sort of fringe left, has never been able to do um, because they take all the wrong approaches uh, to this work. This process differs considerably from the self-selecting that goes on in movement work. Okay, so this is another thing. It's like a, this is not just a critique of approaches, in my opinion, and this is something that I'll have to talk with McAlevey about because I don't want to put words in her mouth, but I'll use, you know, even my own perspective. And that is to say that this whole concept of movements, so, so-called social movements, needs to be fundamentally re-examined. Uh, what is a social movement? How does it function? How do you define it? What are its features? Does it actually accomplish anything? How do you gauge whether it's accomplished anything? How do you gauge uh, what you're doing is whether it's a, like, are you actually in a social movement or are you just hanging out in the streets with people who call themselves Black Lives Matter and they call themselves a social movement because they got enough attention from a hashtag, et cetera, et cetera. Like, there's real problems with using this concept of movement, you know, movement work, quote unquote. Yeah, we're doing movement work. We're building movements. Except all too often the people who say that can't actually define what a movement is, how it should function, who's in it, or what it's trying to achieve. And this is one of my pet peeves, and it drives me absolutely bonkers. So this process of structure-based organizing differs considerably from self-selecting that goes on in movement work, such as environmental and other single-issue fights, women's and other identity-based movements, and non-religious community efforts. Self-selecting groups rely on the mobilizing approach, and many of these groups grew out of or in response to the new left project of the 1960s. In self-selecting work, most people show up at meetings because they already have a pre-existing interest or a serious commitment to the cause. Indeed, many of the key groups were not membership associations at all. They were small combinations of nimble, fresh-thinking, and passionate advocates of new causes. And that really sums up activism from the mid to late 1970s all the way through, uh, I would argue, till today. In self-selecting work, movement groups spend most of their time talking to people already on their side. Whereas in structure-based work, because the goal is building majorities of a bounded constituency, remember, something we can measure, 
Organizers are constantly forced to engage people who may begin with little or no initial interest in being part of the, of the group. So again, we're looking for a bounded constituency, building majorities in a bounded constituency that we can actually measure. And through that work, organizers are constantly forced to engage people who may have no interest or who may be hostile to being a part of our group. In fact, in the beginning of a unionization campaign, for instance, many workers see themselves as opposed to the very idea of forming a union, just as many parishioners may be opposed to a more collective action orientation in their church when first approached about joining or helping to build a new faith-based group. Consequently, organizers and organic leaders, they first identify, I'm sorry, consequently, Organizers and and the organic leaders they first identify and then develop devote most of their time to winning over people who do not self-identify as being with progressives. Structure-based organizing deliberately and methodically expands the base of people who mobilizers can tap in their never-ending single-issue campaigns. Self-selecting groups develop an activist-based approach, whereas structure-based groups develop a strong, more scalable grassroots approach and base because they focus on developing organic leaders who they themselves can mobilize to reach majorities. That, I hope, makes sense to people. Organic, again, organizers and the organic leaders uh, uh, that they uh, first identify and then develop Devote most of their time. So if you're an organic leader, if you're sitting there listening to this and you're going, man, maybe I am an organic leader in my workplace. A lot of people trust me. A lot of people listen to what I have to say. People come to me with their problems, so on and so forth. Or if you're out there thinking, well, I'm an activist, but I'd like to do more organizing. You're going to devote most of your time to winning over people who do not self-identify as being with progressives or the left. Structure-based organizing deliberately and methodically expands the base of people. So we're looking to constantly expand our base of people. And again, within a structure-based approach, you can actually measure that. Who mobilizers can then tap in this sort of never-ending single-issue campaign. So yes, you're going to have mobilizers out there doing their work. They're going to continue to do their work. Uh, but the only way their work's going to be successful is if they can actually pull from a base of people so their mobilizations are large and effective. Self-selecting groups, of course, develop an activist-based approach. It's really hard for self-selecting groups, in my experience, to then try and turn the corner. And we're facing this right now uh, with Democratic Socialists of America and uh, Northwest Indiana chapter. You know, the, these are real problems. Uh, whereas structure-based groups develop a strong, more scalable grassroots base because they focus on developing organic leaders who they themselves can mobilize to reach millions. In the next episode, I will talk about my personal experiences with each approach. I talked a little bit about it here today, but I'll get into it more in the next episode. I'll really go through each of these approaches, advocacy, organizing, I'm sorry, advocacy, mobilizing, organizing, but also structure-based groups uh, versus self-selecting groups. And I have much more experience with self-selecting groups, but I was in the Ironworkers Union for two years, so I kind of I have some experience with that, and of course, my dad was a longtime union member, so I'm thinking of his experiences as well uh, through a structure-based workplace organizing approach. You know, we've tried our best uh, in Northwest Indiana to combine approaches with our local organizing effort organized in United Residents of Michigan City, 
our MC, O-U-R-M-C. And now having learned, I think, important lessons from, you know, our previous work with RMC, we're taking a slightly different approach with Northwest Indiana Democratic Socialists of America, you know, still focusing on a deep organizing approach, but trying to do so through a self-selected organization, DSA. Now, let me be very clear. Whether or not such an effort will be successful depends on many factors, you know, including uh, the assumption that a self-selected group can help organize in a structure-based setting. So in other words, DSA is a self-selected group of people who already identify as democratic socialists or socialists of one stripe or another. Okay, now can you use that self-selecting group to then help organize in a structure-based setting, a community, a housing complex, a workplace, uh, a house of worship, etc.? We don't know. No, nobody knows because we're just trying this, okay? And nobody knows whether or not this will work. We know that these approaches work. What Mac Levy is saying works. She has plenty of evidence throughout her book that shows that it works, particularly in the workplace setting, particularly in the union setting. We don't know whether or not the DSA effort will be successful or whether or not self-selected groups uh, can really help organize in that structure-based setting. Plus, the role of Northwest Indiana DSA can play in the electoral arena, something McAlevey doesn't talk much about, I think, for the sake of space and time and the focus of her book, which is really showing how unions have implemented this organizing approach and why union organizing is the most difficult yet fruitful structure in which to organize. Um, but it she does not talk at length about, and it leaves a lot of this open for those of us who are doing the work to try and figure out how our organizing efforts, you know, from what I've heard McLevy talk about in the past, uh, the way that she sees this is like, if you can successfully organize in churches and in workplaces, then you can draw from those growing base of people measurable again within a structure uh, to then show up to the polls and do electoral work. And that makes a lot of sense to me because what is what should be very clear for people is that the Democratic Party is pulling from a smaller and smaller group of people each time around. Yes, this last election was an exception. Extraordinary circumstances don't count on it for next time around. I haven't seen anyone organized in the last six months, of course, pandemic and so on. But still, I haven't seen any political activity. And I haven't seen Democratic parties around the country being taken over by Bernie Sanders supporters. Now, that happened in Nevada, but Nevada is a very specific case. Um, so, you know, people who are assuming that these electoral victories will continue but by sake of demographics or whatever the hell people think, uh, I think they're sorely mistaken. And I think we're going to get another slap in the face in 2022 or 2024 or even after that uh, if we don't come to the conclusion that just working through electoral politics is not going to build the kind of numbers or base of people we need to win super majorities. Uh, the way that Republicans have won supermajorities. Uh, so, you know, electoral efforts in and of themselves actually don't build a base of supporters. You build a base of supporters through organizing efforts in a structure-based setting, which then can pull on those supporters' base of people who have been organized in that structure-based setting uh, to then go out to the polls. And that's how you're going to grow the number of people going out to the polls. It's not going to be through... An electoral campaign, which is something the Bernie Sanders campaign found out in 2020 when they received less votes than they did in 2016. Their base did not grow. Okay. 
So again, whether or not our efforts here in Michigan City will be successful in Northwest Indiana, I think depends on many factors, including the assumption that a self-selected group can even help organize in a structure-based setting. Or perhaps something else we've talked about, uh, you know, is maybe the DS- Northwest Indiana DSA is simply uh, a body that, or an institution or an organization we're going to try and build into an institution that functions to train people or to skill them up with as much political education and knowledge they need about organizing to then go out into their workplaces, into uh, their houses of worship, into their housing complexes or their communities or their precincts or whatever it may be, uh, and then to do that structure-based organizing. And we'll leave aside the electoral stuff for now. McAlevey is quite literally an expert, just to be clear, on union organizing. Uh, We are not an expert on that. Uh, But no one is an expert or has the answers on how exactly to combine existing political efforts, organizing activists, you know, mobilizing and advocacy efforts, while also growing existing structures and alternative self-selecting structures into a coherent movement and umbrella or a coalition of the left. So this isn't a critique of McAlevey. One person can only do so much. It's up to all of us. To take this work, think about it, reflect on it, try and implement it in our day-to-day organizing efforts, then come back, change it, morph it, alter it, and think about how we're going to combine any number of these things. So we have existing structures in society. We have people who would like to build new structures in society. We have self-selecting groups. We have structure-based groups. Uh, How do we combine these things? How do we bring together a more coherent left? No one has the answer for that. But people have decent suggestions. And one of those, uh, which is what McAlevey is saying, is the more people we have actually organizing with these approaches, uh, using these methods, the more likely we are to build a coherent movement. Here, I think we need thoughtful and method, uh, methodological experimentation, I'm sorry, and constant reevaluation. Okay, so thoughtful experimentation and constant reevaluation. So it's not just, hey, let's try this out and kind of see how it works. How are we measuring it? How are we measuring success? How are we measuring failure at each step of the way? And who's a part of that process? You know, this isn't about, a lot of people confuse this with perfection. This isn't perfection. This is called discipline. Another thing, again, the anarcho-radical left does not like to hear. They don't want to hear about power. They don't want to hear about accountability and they don't want to hear about discipline. And that's a real problem because what we're talking about here isn't about perfection. It's about taking a methodology, taking an approach and implementing it in a disciplined, accountable fashion. And then asking what's working, what's not working, what's working in other red states. For instance, where we live in Northwest Indiana, we're in a trifecta Republican controlled state. Well, what's working in other red states with similar economic and social conditions? What's not working? What part of our hypotheses are incorrect? Which ones? You know, uh, which assumptions were wrong? Which were correct? How are we measuring all of the above? Those are the questions that serious organizers constantly ask themselves. And those are the questions we'll ask, uh, you know, moving forward. Okay, folks, I kept that one under 30 minutes. I hope... That was useful. Structure-based organizing versus self-selected organizing. Fundamentally different things uh, that do work together, and we have to find ways to make them work together. But at the end of the day, 
uh, the message is clear. There's been far too much self-selected organizing and not nearly enough structure-based organizing. If we want to build the kind of power that previous progressive movements have had in this country, well, we're going to have to get back to the basics. There's no shortcuts. There's no quick end around to do this. All of the things that I hear people on the left talk about uh, is really wrong. (laughs) And it's really amazing to think um, that we're sort of in many ways starting from scratch here. Uh, I'll do another episode because I want to keep this educational and I want to go off riffing about my own experiences and how disappointed I've been that it's taken me this long for someone to, you know, clue me in. Uh, to things that I should have known at 22, 23, 24 years old. There's no reason. Let me say this very clear to end this episode. There is no reason whatsoever that someone should have to waste, and in my opinion, I wasted 10 to 11 years of bullshit advocacy mobilizing efforts. Um, There's no way someone someone who's listening to this, people who are out there should not have to go through that experience uh, to eventually come to these conclusions. If... We develop thoughtful, serious, accountable, disciplined organizations and institutions that filter through organic leaders who then can train other people. Uh, these types of things would just be the norm. You know, it's not like it's like going through years of shitty school to eventually learn by the time you're a senior or a junior that the people who have been teaching you uh, mathematics have been teaching you it all wrong. That's the experience I've had on the left in the first 10 or 11 years I was involved in. Only until the last four or five years have we been able to seriously implement uh, an organizing approach. And even then, you know, snags, not doing it right, trying it out, doing different things. None of it's perfect, but we are on uh, the right track uh, as far as I can tell. And that's one of the reasons why we have uh, one of the virtually the only consistent, uh, you know, left organizations in the state of Indiana that has a base of supporters, that has a base of allies, that has a few small victories under our belt. I would argue one of that, one of the reasons that's the case uh, is precisely because we've been implementing uh, these approaches. Okay, don't know what the fourth episode will be uh, yet for the Organizing 101, but we've now knocked out three. Make sure to check them out and definitely make sure to check out the last episode the differences between advocacy, mobilizing, and organizing because it will help you better understand uh, the episode that you just listened to. And if you've listened to all three, thank you, and thanks for supporting the program. Please share with your friends. Subscribe to the channel. We would appreciate it. All right, take care.